Pittsburgh Steelers fans. It is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call Podcast. My name is Michael Beck, Deputy Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Join us by, with always, Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Mike. Doing good. Perfect. And as always, as we uh, are leading up to the draft, we bring you a special guest. And tonight, from Maize and Brew, that is the Michigan Wolverines SB Nation blog. Uh, Trevor Woods. Trevor, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Glad to be on. Talk about Steelers and Michigan. I'm happy, man. Football in April. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love it. Gotta love it. But uh, I guess just kicking things off right at the top, uh, Trevor, kind of the, the one of the big prospects that uh, the Steelers obviously are kind of eyeing up on is tackle Jalen Mayfield. Now, Mayfield didn't have the best pro day in the world. Do you think that uh, has kind of affected his stock? Is, is he still even a first-round pick? Oh, I definitely think he's still a first-round pick. Uh, pro days, you know, uh, and the combine on a regular year, sometimes they can be over-evaluated, and sometimes uh, a team will have their mind set and don't even meet with a guy, right? We know that happens too. So I think he's uh, kind of in the same range as he was. Uh, the question is, is he going to be able to slip to the Steelers? I think that's more the question right now. The Steelers, what are you, the 23rd pick? 24th. 24th. Okay, so the 24th pick. Uh, we had a mock simulation last month. Granted, this was before the pro day. Uh, Mason Brew had him going number 14th overall to the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, I definitely think, though, he could slip to the Steelers. He's right in that range, in my opinion, from 14 to late round one. And, heck, maybe early round two. You know how things go, but I don't see him slipping further than that. He does seem to have a decent bit of variance in different mock drafts of where people think he's going to go. How much do you think uh, the Michigan season in 2020 is going to hurt Jalen Mayfield with that just the level of uncertainty and how little they played and how many players were in and out and also how poorly the team did um, in this 2020 season. How much do you think that's going to hurt this draft class and Jalen Mayfield Uh, specifically? Jalen Mayfield specifically, I'm glad you added that at the end. I would say Mayfield specifically, uh, him and Quiddy Pay, those two defensive and Quiddy Pay, I don't think – this season Michigan had is going to hurt them as much. If you look at a lot of Mayfield's film, uh, it's still good film despite, uh, you know, a lackluster performance from the team as a whole. I liken sometimes uh, some, you know, uh, uh, film you see of recruits to a reliever in baseball to where, okay, this team is garbage, the baseball team, but the relievers have one heck of a season. So sometimes I try to correlate that with certain prospects. Um, now, on the other hand, some other players on Michigan, which we'll get into, uh, like Cameron Grohn, for example, a linebacker. He was supposed to be the next Devin Bush, which you guys know all about, but uh, he was not the next Devin Bush. Uh, hustle, a bad defense, and some other things. Uh, for a guy like him in particular and some others, uh, your point is very much true and correct that the Michigan season was a detriment to their stock. Now, one of the things uh, that's kind of been growing, I guess, uh, across some analysts uh, when it comes to the NFL draft is the potential that Jalen Mayfield 
might not even play tackle at the next level and could slip inside to guard. Are you buying that at all? Is he is he someone that needs to be on the edge, or could you see him playing in the in the interior on that offensive line? I could see him playing either. I mean, he's the guy's six foot five. He's three hundred twenty six pounds, uh, but he's a bit agile too, to where he doesn't have to be some boat anchor on the outside. Uh, I definitely think he has versatility position wise to where he can be moved around. Uh, it just all boils down to whoever drafts him, how they view him, and what they'd like to do with him. Uh, so. I definitely like the versatility, and also I think that's a reason why I don't see him slipping out of the first round. With his uh, with Mayfield, even though he didn't play much in 2020, can you tell us a bit about what he faced in 2019? Because uh, I I have to tell you, I, I'm a I'm a Michigan guy. I was born in Michigan, and uh, the the 2019 season that Jalen Mayfield had as a first year starter was absolutely incredible. I wonder if you just tell us a little bit about that because I don't know if people realize he's only had 15 starts. He's going to turn 21 after the draft, and he has already faced guys who are who are starting in the NFL a lot. Yeah, a lot of them. exactly. And that's another thing about Mayfield to where uh, he did a little bit of battle with Chase Young even. Uh, Ohio State's Chase Young, he acclimated himself well with good Big Ten defenses. Uh, if Big Ten's known for anything, it's known for their gritty, hard-nosed football, and sometimes that can be boring. But if you like battles in the trenches, uh, they have something for you. So, yeah, that's cool. You're a Michigan guy. And uh, Mayfield, going into the 2019 season, of like most Michigan players, there's uh, so much hype surrounding them, so much praise. And then sometimes it's unfair to them or unwarranted, and, you know, expectations don't. Uh, meet reality. But with Mayfield, man, as you said, look at him now, he's still very young and uh, he was very young then. And uh, even in interviews, how he carried himself off the field, you could tell he's a very smart player, uh, understands the X's and O's of the game, and then he has that physicality. And as just a 19-year-old, how strong and tough he was. And uh, the game didn't look too uh, hard for him. And uh, he caught up to Big Ten defense speed quickly. He was definitely a bright spot in 2019 and is a reason why Michigan even went to uh, not the best ball in the world, but they uh, were leading Alabama at halftime in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, obviously a really bad year in 2020 and all that for Michigan, but uh, Michigan was okay in 2019, and Mayfield's a big reason why. When it comes to Jalen Mayfield, I, I got one more question for him, and Specifically, when it comes to the other tackles of this draft class, I'm not sure how much you know the other guys, but right now it really seems like there's a clear, clear cut top three with those tackles. The next ten, it, it seems like it could be any of those names going in any particular order. So, Trevor, I, I want you to defend your guy. Why should Jalen Mayfield be the fourth tackle taken off that board? Well, uh, part of the reason is what Jeffrey just outlined. It's Look, he has experience, he has a resume, but still, yeah, only 15, so it's kind of paradoxical. It's like he doesn't have it a lot, but all the f 15 games is still enough to say, hey, look at this guy, look at what he did, look what he accomplished, and then uh, what, what a team's getting is still a young guy, not somebody who's 23, 24 coming out of college. He's a very good player now, and he can grow further in the NFL. 
but I think he can have success from day one in the NFL too. Uh, now, as far as what di- uh, you know, different differentiates him from others. It's so hard to play that game because we live in retrospect anytime we're talking about the NFL draft. I mean, look at the quarterbacks right now, too. I mean, some people think Justin Fields could slip to number 10, number 11, uh, and think rightfully so. Others think that's absolutely crazy to happen. So uh, evaluations are so subjective across the board, and only ob- true objectivity comes a couple years down the road. But, uh, heck, anywhere between – like I said, pick 14 and early round two, I think, is good value for Mayfield. So moving on from Mayfield, uh, Quiddy Pay. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. He's, uh, I think he's he he kind of flew under the radar for a while, and then as he like he's all over the place. You hear people that are super high on him. You hear people that are like, nah. Uh, tell us about Quiddy Pay. Yeah. Uh, Pay, another really strong physical specimen. Uh, the perception is he will be able to get after the quarterback and also help in the run game as well. Uh, the detriment uh, for Pay would be the, as uh, you were alluding to earlier, Jeffrey, is how Michigan's performed defensively the past couple of years. And uh, Don Brown, uh, he's fired now. The previous defensive coordinator, he uh, didn't always necessarily utilize people correctly in the ways he should have. Uh, point uh, would be Rashawn Gary, who's now doing quite well, starting to come into his own for the Green Bay Packers. If you look at his sack numbers and stuff at Michigan, it just wasn't that great. What they asked him to do didn't correlate to these eye-popping numbers. I would say the same thing about pay in that regard. Actually, Todd McShay, Todd McShay thinks he's going to be the first or second Ed Rusher off the board. Uh, Definitely, he's pretty pays a quick guy. Definitely has some quickness for his size. Uh, And McShay uh, echoes what I said, or I echo what Shay says. McShay says is uh, he said he didn't think pay was utilized properly. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just he's a high-motor guy. He loves football. He's the type of guy who gets drafted in the first 10 or so picks. Uh, with Quiddy Pay as well, is he someone that uh, is more of a hand-in-the-dirt, uh, straight edge rusher for a 40-base defense, or is he someone that can uh, do it all and be an outside linebacker and uh, and cover guys if uh, if that's needed from him? Yeah, that's a good question. Um there's nothing, and once again, it, it's how he was utilized in the film available to dissect. But uh, at the moment, I would consider him highly raw as far as you know becoming some outside linebacker. Um, but you know, uh, at the same time, at six foot three, two sixty one, you'd sure like for him to drop into some certain types of zone coverage. Uh, at least be a hybrid. I mean, that's what where the NFL is trending across the board defensively is you need hybrids. So uh, his 40-yard dash was very impressive at his pro day. There is absolutely no disputing that, uh, a 4.54 uh, 40-yard dash. So, and obviously very strong as well, 36 bench reps. Um, so I do think that he can transition 
from a hand in the dirt to a uh, stand-up outside linebacker. But as far as the coverage, that's my concern is uh, now you're going to ask the guy to do something he's never done before. However, we've seen a lot of examples throughout time to where guys who were used to one thing, hand in the dirt in college, they make that transition pretty smoothly, uh, at least by year two, year three of their career. But he's definitely raw in that area right now. How, how is uh, How would you rank Pay as a run defender? Because if he comes to the, let's say – he falls all the way to 24 and the Steelers decide to go that direction, which it's, it's unlikely either of these things happen. Uh, but how would he play as like a, as a run defender? How did he show up in that, in setting the edge, you know, uh, in run defense? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I, I say mixed results on his uh, rushing prowess his uh, rushing awareness Definitely sometimes you get caught flat-footed and stuff and uh, on counters uh, at this, uh, on the flip side to where actually he's not being caught flat-footed. He's over-pursuing, and then he's not maintaining his gap. So uh, with that said, you're going to find plenty of film where he sheds his man, he's in the proper place, he contains, he sets the edge, he gets help or he makes a solo tackle. But uh, right now... His strength is being a pass rusher. Is Quiddy Pay the top prospect coming out of Michigan this year? Uh, yeah, I, I would. You know what? Mayfield, though, is, isn't too far behind, and uh, he's young. So, to me, honestly, I, I said the retrospect two years from now thing a minute ago, but uh, uh, Pay will be the first one off the board, put it that way. But uh, Mayfield can end up having the better career of the two. Moving on to people who will actually uh, have a much better chance of being there when the Steelers pick. Uh, Nico Collins. Nico Collins, another athletic freak of a wide receiver from Michigan. There seems to be a good string of these big athletic wide receivers from Michigan. But so far, none of them have really taken off in the NFL. Uh, is this is this a you know a, a Jim Harbaugh uh, wide receiver like curse? Uh, is, is this uh, you know the system that they use at Michigan, or is this just none of the other guys have been this good? And Nico Collins could be the first to really break that streak of guys who haven't really hit it off in the NFL. Uh, yeah, granted, six round pick Donovan Peoples Jones started doing decent for the Browns last year. Uh, but you're totally right. Uh, Harbaugh's been there six seasons now, and uh, off the top of anybody's head, whether they're a Michigan fan or otherwise, uh, they can't really name, oh, you know, look at this receiver doing so good in the NFL. So spot on there. Can Collins break that trend? I would say he might be the best uh, receiver the Harbaugh's had entering the NFL draft to this point. Um, and actually – some of uh, his attributes and some of the things to his game remind me of a more raw version of a Chase Claypool. Nico Collins is six foot four. He's two hundred fifteen pounds. Ran a four point four three forty. I believe Claypool's uh, forty yard dash is four point four two. 
So they're around the same size and speed. Uh, Claypool, I, I think, coming out of college was a step ahead of him in, as far as his development. Um, it obviously didn't help Collins missing, opting out of the 2020 season, but he was able to impress people at the Senior Bowl during his time there. Uh, I think he has quite a bit of potential and a high ceiling in the NFL. He's already a guy who is very good at catching the football, and that might sound silly, but a lot of prospects get drafted who are fast but simply can't catch or can't catch well or are inclined to let the ball hit their chest before uh, trying to put hands on it. Collins is very uh, strong, strong hands. He's ready to grab that football, and uh, I think that's an asset. He's definitely a deep threat. Averaged, I believe, over 19 yards per catch in his Michigan career. So you have that there. As far as his route tree, that is raw and uh, very much in development. But I think in the right uh, situation, we could see Collins develop quite well. Uh, There's a lot to like about the guy. What kind of position do you see Collins playing? Is he more of a slot or is he someone that should be playing on the outside? He should be playing on the outside. Now, granted... I do think he's better than some six foot four guys at cutting into the inside of the field, be it a tightly contested uh, slant route or uh, gaining some separation uh, with mesh concepts. But to me, he is a right now more of a straight line runner. Uh, let's just get this guy down the field. Let's see if he can out muscle some press coverage on a weaker corner and gain some separation, and then track the football, which he actually tracks footballs quite well, which can be quite difficult if your uh, money-making ability is uh, the deep catch. So, uh, yeah, for right now, definitely an outside guy. He needs to have more shiftiness with his feet and have a little more uh, groove to it, groove to his step. Uh, Otherwise, he's never going to be a big asset as a slot receiver on the inside. So in Michigan, at Michigan, and uh, with the Steelers, run blocking is is something wide receivers have to do. Uh, does Nico Collins stand out as a guy that could be give you value even as like a rookie if he's a depth receiver if he's not the number one guy if he's if you are trying him in that slot uh, is he a guy that brings you some run blocking is he a guy who can go you know put a hat on a safety uh, and also special teams does he bring any value there? I don't think he's going to have value on special teams. Uh, I don't think a team would utilize him on special teams as a gunner or a uh, punt returner. Uh, but the blocking question is a very good one, and I think he does hold value as a blocking receiver. He was even quoted before uh, in one of his availabilities through the years uh, how he takes pride in being a blocker. Um of course, he lost some battles. You know, not every receiver can be Larry Fitzgerald or Heinz Ward and be, you know, an amazing Hall of Famer and a blocking receiver. But uh, for a guy who's going to be a rookie this year, I liked what he did in college in that regard. Um, so, yeah. Now, transitioning to uh, Cam McGrone, obviously having watched Devin Bush play back in his Michigan days, I'm curious whether or not you think McGrone is someone who could play Beside a Devin Bush, or do those uh, two styles uh, clash? They don't clash, but actually, I think I was thinking about this earlier today. Obviously, I knew I was going to talk to you guys, but I think McGrone would be a perfect 
the Steelers would be a perfect spot for him. Now, I have my skepticism about him, but I think being around Bush again would do him wonders. McGrone, uh, he had trouble communicating last year with his other linebackers and uh, safeties, linemen, and there's definitely too much miscommunication. Um, and then there were times where the season before, uh, great sideline to sideline lateral ability of getting to the ball carriers, snuffing out runs, and definitely lost uh, hitching his step, whether it was mental, whether it was a, a combination of mental and physical. Uh, I definitely think some of this film from this past season would uh, concern scouts. Uh, with that said, if you look at some of his film from 2019, some really great film. Uh, definitely a guy can even get in the backfield and get to the quarterback on some different blitz uh, packages. Uh, so I think a team like the Steelers, maybe not the Steelers, but um, who has some other young energetic linebackers he can learn from and that uh, he can try and do embody and uh, mimic would do him wonders. Poor Cameron McGrone. Do you think he uh, he's a guy who's going to thrive in more of a coverage role where he is dropping back covering people? Or is he a guy you want to, to kind of set free and let him attack uh, the offense and, and, you know, try and get those tackles for loss, make make the splash plays? What kind of linebacker is he better suited to play? Yeah, Jeffrey, you said you're a Michigan guy, right? I, I know. I'm setting you up for this. No, I'm setting you up too. Uh, but uh, think about all the times that, uh, you know, Michigan linebackers were asked to play man coverage and all the times Ohio State and others just dashed them and gashed them with linebackers that it couldn't cover. Now, McGrone sometimes could cover okay, but when it mattered most, oh, my God, people would burn him. So I think for the time being, and once again, he could develop into a better coverage linebacker. But, uh, you know, that that's definitely to be determined. Uh, he definitely was better in run support, uh, better – just like you said, when he's able to just attack and uh, uh, have some free roam. And, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't uh, – in, until proven otherwise, I, I'm not going to tell you any uh, Michigan linebacker can cover well. I just want to throw in a little add-on to that. Uh, Steeler fans know Devin Bush has become an incredible coverage linebacker. He, he started oh, off yes. – he had some serious flaws. Even – even his rookie year, you could see it. His first couple of games, teams were attacking him with tight ends. Uh, and then he got one interception, and they were like, all right, we better stay away from Devin Bush. And last year, he was doing stuff on film that, that most linebackers can't do. Yeah. So no, I, there's that potential yeah, I, to develop into it. Yeah. No, and I got to add on, I absolutely love Devin Bush. Definitely one of my favorite Michigan players to cover. Uh, you know, just, just so much heart. Was definitely disappointed he went down last year, but yeah, uh, Devin Bush. I have to clarify is the exception to what I just said. The guy I can cover; he's an absolute baller. Uh, do you think? Do you think him and Cameron McGrone would be a good pairing in a in a system where uh, McGrone is taking on more of the uh, in a in a three four system, what you call the the buck linebacker role, where you are uh, adding on in, in run plays and often taking out blockers, taking on tight ends, kind of you know, filling in for the fact that you don't have a fourth defensive lineman up there uh, while Devin Bush plays, you know, behind him. Would that be an ideal role? Uh, because that's that's one that interests me. 
Yeah, now that's another one to where you see some film of McGrone that he is able to slip in somehow between a couple linemen, you know, find that crease uh, and get to the ball carrier. But then there's plenty of film of McGrone is just getting absolutely thrown around by some physical linemen, whether it's, you know, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Uh, so he needs to get stronger in that regard. And what makes him good, what makes him succeed when he does well in that role is his aggressiveness, his, uh, you know, his uh, quick twitch, his ability to diagnose quickly. And uh, so much of the game of football is mental. And Cameron Rowan, to me, is a very mental player. And when we've seen him really uh, engaged and into it, the guy can be lights out. But then there are other times where he doesn't seem as engaged. Uh, you know, he loses that millisecond to where then he's a little too slow. And then he's getting thrown around by guys who are stronger than him. So when guys are always stronger than you, you got to, you know, you have to know how to use your leverage. You have to know uh, how to be shifty. So I definitely think, like I, I said, uh, you know, to start the McGrone conversation off is uh, – being around a guy like Bush, I really think would be perfect. But, uh, you know, it'll be funny a few weeks from now uh, if that actually comes to fruition. One out of 32 chance. You're absolutely right. Now, transitioning outside to the corner spot, I'm curious on Ambry Thomas. Is he someone that can play a physical slot type role, or is he someone that should be playing on the outside? I, I think right now – probably should stick to the slot. The guy has so much heart. Uh, I think he, he had a rare condition called colitis. Uh, don't quote me on that completely. Everybody go Google it. But he had a really bad condition, and he battled back from that and just had an absolutely incredible season in 2019. Jim Harbaugh loved the guy. There was actually one time where uh, it was it was a Michigan win. I forget what game, but Harbaugh uh, brought him with him to the press conference and uh, Thomas just sat next to him the entire time. Uh, that's the type of guy Thomas is off the field, which translates to what he does on the field. He's just a gamer. He loves football. Uh, not the biggest guy in the whole world, but he plays bigger than he, uh, what he is. Uh, with that said, I definitely would like to see him in a nickel-type role. I think he'd absolutely thrive in it. Uh, but I think he could play everywhere. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, undersized or not exactly strong in stature cornerbacks who uh, play on the outside but yet can uh, you know know how to tackle well they use their shoulder they fly in like torpedoes and Thomas love for the game and his willingness to do whatever it takes for his teammates uh, I think will ultimately have him playing wherever on the field I just want to back you up you are correct he had uh, it was colitis he had to deal with um Thomas, like you said, seems like a guy that would start off, you know, start him in the slot, you know, give him some time to adjust to the NFL, then move him outside if, if it works out. Uh, where do where do you see him fall in the draft for value wise? Like, like where do you where would you rank him among quarterbacks in the draft? I I would rank him, you know, to me, I'd put him in the late second, early third round range. Uh, it's hard telling with him. I mean, anytime a player opts out, it, it just has me uh, thinking that they're, whether it's right or wrong, and of course, anybody who opted out of the season, I'm, I'm not questioning it. 
but uh, it still hurts the evaluation process from a scouting perspective from these teams and executives. So the question really would be, you know, did he do enough? Did he do enough uh, in his previous time at Michigan to where uh, teams are willing to take him in round two or early round three? Uh, because those are still, you know, highly coveted picks. I say yes. I say if you just look at his body of work and you uh, don't factor in 2020 and the opt-out at all, uh, I think there's plenty enough for somebody to uh, go along and, and uh, give him a shot. He was playing good talent in the Big Ten. A lot of time you see all these corners from these uh, rinky-dink schools get drafted in round two just because of one specific attribute. It's a 6-3 corner or he, you know, he ran a 4-3-3, but can he cover, you know? Uh, uh, and Thomas definitely can. He's a smart guy, and uh, I think his off-the-field attributes and uh, his love of the game, I would be shocked to see him not go before the middle of round three. Now, we are getting to the top of your time, Trevor, but I do want to ask you about Ben Mason. Uh, is he someone who's a fullback? Is he a tight end? Is he a defensive lineman? Can you break down Ben Mason and uh, what he can do in the in the, in the the NFL? Yeah, it's so cool you saved the best for last. Um, and I'm actually so glad you asked about him at all because fullbacks are getting phased out, man. That can't happen. But, no, he's not a defensive lineman. To me, Mason is a prototypical fullback and then has a lot of upside, in my opinion, as an H-back. Mason, uh, he showed he could run some decent routes, uh, enough speed to warrant uh, being a H-back at times, and uh, I definitely think he could do a little bit of damage catching the football as well, but he is one heck of a blocker. The guy is just as hard-nosed as it gets. He could have played with no helmet in 1930 and absolutely destroyed people and been the Bronco Nagurski of that day, I have no doubt. But, uh, you know, times change. Uh, running back positions gotten faster. But, uh, no, this guy belongs in the NFL. I think he's going to stick around the NFL for quite some time. I remember a couple of years ago I talked to – Phil Steele, uh, ESPN analyst, always has a college football preview magazine, and he was saying how he thinks back then a couple years ago that Mason's going to be the best fullback that will come out of whatever draft he's in. And now fast forward a couple years later, here's the issue is if you look at Mason's stats, he was not utilized properly. He had no business uh, being on the defensive side of the ball. The guy is an exceptional fullback, but then Michigan brought in a offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis who went to a spread system and then forgot what a fullback is. They had uh, trouble running the football, but uh, Gaddis still never really utilized Mason a whole lot. And then guess what, guys? When Mason was in the game as a fullback, Michigan's running game got better. But guess what? They never figured it out. And uh, that's just a little bit of a shame uh, and be- because of what it could have done for Michigan and their run game and their offense, but just what it could have done for Mason's college football career. So that's disappointing, but I am very high on Ben Mason, and uh, any team who gets him is very wise, and their running game is going to get better because of it. I absolutely guarantee it. I don't guarantee a whole lot when it comes to evaluating prospects. Uh, I just want to throw in real quick before I have to let you go. Uh, Mason as a fullback, does he have any versatility to play in line as a tight end, uh, could he play in an H back role? Uh, we our new offensive coordinator is Matt Canada, uh, who, who worked with you know Derek White in uh, Wisconsin, uh, was with Maryland when they torched the Buckeyes and nearly beat them in overtime. He uses a lot of H backs and wings backs. 
is that a position that Ben Mason could fill, you know, at, along with fullback to make him a guy who could who could be a valuable player for the Steelers uh, and, and maybe, maybe be a replacement in the future for Derek Watt? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, I think he, Mason, would be best utilized in the NFL as a fullback, H-back, you know, whatever the package, the uh, game situation calls for. Uh, he could fill both of those roles. He has has enough ability to be a pass catcher, to be an H-back, a traditional tight end, no. But you get him in motion where the opposing defenses don't necessarily know whether he's, you know, just he's going to block or if he's rolling out for a catch, uh, I think he could definitely be a major asset. And uh, his blocking abilities are definitely without question. So uh, I think it would be a very good fit for a team like the Steelers or any uh, team that says, hey, we could definitely use a H-back and a fullback all in one. Awesome. Trevor, before we let you go, is there anything uh, you want to plug? Uh, no, man. Just, uh, you know, I write for Maze and Brew, uh, also on the SB Nation Network. And, uh, no, that's it. My name's Trevor Woods. I definitely appreciate you guys. And uh, I have Steelers fans in the family. And uh, they'll be happy to hear some conversation that I had with some Steelers guys. So thank you for that. Hey, our pleasure. Thank you for uh, joining the program. All right. Take care, guys. See you, Trevor. See you, man. Now, for everyone uh, listening here on uh, YouTube and Facebook, just hang tight. We are going to jump into a, a quick couple-second break. Uh, everyone listening on the podcast platform side, just click over to part two now. Uh, Jeffrey and I will we'll continue along in a pretty big day in Steelers Nation, some signings, some rumors. We'll get to all that in the second part of our podcast, so just hang tight.